Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. Welcome everyone to Travel Safely, the business talk show bringing you the latest in innovation from transportation, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan, coming to you from the Subaru Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett County. This show is sponsored by Applied Information, a technology company here in Gwinnett, focused on using technology to save lives and improve the traffic. Our guest today is Rebecca Brewster, President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Transportation Research Institute. That's ATRI for short, which we're going to use in the show. ATRI is the tracking industry's not-for-profit research organization whose mission it is is research to improve the tracking industry's safety and productivity. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here today. So our topic for the day, um, the tracking industry. We all know about the tracking industry because we drive alongside these big rigs on the interstate, and we know how vital they are to the economy Uh, especially as the economy is dealing with an aging infrastructure, at the same time as new technology and uh, the delivered economy. So let's find out some more. Uh, So Rebecca, start off with the Rebecca Brewster story. How did you come to be in Georgia and in the trucking business? Well, it's a great story. And I've actually been in the trucking industry now for about 30 years. But but the past 26 years, I've been with Atri, and I came down to Atlanta one weekend to visit a friend, and I had had some experience in the trucking industry, and I'd had some experience with the Chamber of Commerce doing governmental affairs work. And this was, of course, back in the day when job postings were in the newspaper, so I was looking in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and Atri was looking for someone to fill a public policy analyst position. I applied, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. Okay. So you've been in Atlanta all the, all the years since, since then. I have indeed. 26 years. So, so, you know, the research is a broad topic. So what do you guys do on a practical basis? Uh, government research, private sector research? Uh, safety, what is it that you guys actually do? Maybe some practical examples. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned in the intro, our focus is research to improve the trucking industry's safety and productivity. So sometimes that covers very specific issues like the impact of the hours of service rules, the rules that govern when drivers can drive and when they sleep. Sometimes it's broader, looking at uh, how we fund transportation infrastructure, because of course the nation's roadways are our workplace in the trucking industry. And so a broader look at what's the most efficient way to fund transportation infrastructure is a topic that Atri has studied. So some are very specific to the trucking industry and some are much more uh, broad in scope. So, so let's look at some of the statistics of, uh, of the trucking industry. I mean, we see trucks everywhere. How many trucks are out there and, and, and how many miles do you guys actually do? Well, in our space in the trucking industry, we're talking generally about class eight vehicles. Those are the tractor trailers that people think of the big rigs, in the trucking yeah. industry. Right. So um, the latest data we have is about uh, just under four million class eight vehicles out on the road. Wow. Uh, to be specific, 3.68 million class eight vehicles Ooh. out on the road. Uh, it's a lot. But when you think about it, Brian, everything that touches our lives lived on some point on a truck. Uh, whether it was raw materials going to a manufacturing facilities, whether it was the food we eat, the gasoline we put in our cars, the clothes that we wear, all of those items travel at some point on a truck before they are ultimately delivered to us through a, 
a gas station or a grocery store or a department store. And so um, as consumer good or consumer demand goes up, so does the demand for trucking. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of issues that would probably be front of mind. One is that the this whole balance between private sector initiative and trucking is a private sector uh, business with uh, some large companies, but also some mom and pop operations, and then government regulation, which is the business of safety. How do you live uh, between those two worlds of government regulation and private sector initiative trying to get more bang for their back? Well, it's interesting, and, and one point I want to bring out that people don't really realize is that you see some of the big trucking companies, and you reference, you know, there are a lot of big trucking companies, and there are, but nearly 92% of the trucking companies out there operate six or fewer trucks. So when you talk oh, about wow. a mom and pop or, uh, industry, we really are. We are a lot of small business people. And so obviously the impact of government regulations and with that the associated cost of those regulations is oftentimes a challenge for an industry made up of small uh, organizations. But there are instances where the industry has embraced and in fact advocated on behalf of government regulations. For instance, we have, uh, as of the last several years, what's called the Electronic Logging Device Mandate, or ELD mandate, we call them in the industry, and that's electronically recording the hours that a driver drives, when they're off duty, when they're just working but not driving the vehicle, uh, so that they can be compliant with the federal rules that govern those activities. Uh, and the industry supported uh, for the most part, the industry supported the ELD mandate because it was a way to make sure that everyone is compliant with those hours of service rules. And that's actually a great, great point for technology because that's all based around the t a technology of being able to record when the truck's moving and, and, and so forth and when the driver is active or not active and so forth. And, so, you know, a lot of the smaller operations, uh, they, don't, they don't mind regulation so much if it's a level playing field. Off, off, but, but when they feel like they're being penalized, then it's then you end up with a tough situation. Absolutely, and um, it, quite frankly, if I had a nickel for every time I heard the term level playing field, <laughs> oftentimes <laughs> in this industry, but it is so apt uh, here because, again, for those who were operating under the rules and compliant with the hours of service rules, whether it was being recorded on paper or if they had adopted an ELD already, um, this was no big change for them. But for those who were operating outside, and they were small percentage of the industry, but there are some who were operating outside of the hours of service rules, they really had a competitive advantage because they were skirting the rules basically to make those deliveries. And so the ELD mandate allows and um, empowers compliance by everyone. So, so the two things that come to mind from the truck driver point of view is um, the, the first one is, um, you know, is this, you know, driver fatigue, I understand, is a big cause of or contributor to accidents. Um, are, are they seeing an improvement in accident rates with, with less driver fatigue? How's that research looking? And actually, um, fatigue is a small contributor to uh, truck-involved crashes. They are oftentimes, uh, when we do see fatigue-involved crashes, they are crashes that involve a truck driver going off the road in a, on a rural route. A single, a single vehicle. Single vehicle crash. crash. Um, but overall, the percentage of truck-involved crashes that have fatigue as a contributing cause is, is very low. 
Um, okay. But certainly it is an issue that the industry takes very seriously. And when you think about the task of driving a truck, especially long haul, where you have, uh, particularly if you're out west, long stretches of monotonous road, you can imagine how it might become fatiguing. And so that's why we have hours of service rules that mandate how long a driver can drive and be behind the wheel, and then how long they must take a rest before that clock starts over again. Are you seeing sort of uh, driver assistance systems, lane keeping, those kind of systems, you know, penetrating the, the trucking industry? Absolutely. The trucking industry invests about $9.5 billion annually in safety technology um, because it, is, it sees the value and the return on investment of those technology, technologies. So everything from lane keeping assist, collision mitigation systems, um, these systems all help forward facing and driver facing cameras are really getting a lot of penetration in the industry now oh, wow. uh, as a great way because so often, uh, Brian, the research shows that in truck and car involved crashes, more often than not, the crash is caused by some action on the part of the car drivers. Car drivers do not really understand how to safely drive around large commercial vehicles. So if a fleet installs a forward-facing camera that's triggered by some event, a hard break or some other event, more often than not, that video footage is exonerating the truck driver who was doing what they were supposed to be doing, and it's the car driver who comes in and, and maneuvers unsafely around that vehicle. That's actually a great example of the use of technology and the use of, uh, uh, of video and so forth to actually you know, provide some truth in these kind of things, because everybody loves to, uh, to blame the truck. I mean, we're not, you know, it's a commercial vehicle. They must have a good liability policy, so well, let's ding them for, wha for what we can, even if it's the car's fault. Absolutely, and so that's why fleets are really embracing the, the use of video, because, again, large commercial vehicle involved with a car more than likely the car is going to suffer more damage and it's going to be the truck driver's word against the car driver's word um, and so you know the use of the video really does save trucking companies although there's an investment in cost in those video systems does save the trucking company a lot of times in litigation because if it is uh, if they're at fault if it is something the truck driver did incorrect then they immediately have the, the evidence of yeah. that and they can work that out but more often than not it shows what the truck driver says was true you know i was doing what i was supposed to do and a car left its lane or jumped right in front of me and slammed on their brakes these unsafe driving behaviors yeah because uh, in our business in the surface transportation space the whole excuse me the whole business of connected and autonomous vehicles is becoming uh, the buzzword that we're dealing with, dealing with traffic lights and, and so forth. And I know there's been some high pub highly publicized uh, events on the tracking side with platooning and, uh, and an autonomous uh, Budweiser beer run. <laughs> tell, tell us about that. So uh, we actually were involved as one of the independent observers of the Budweiser beer run where uh, they did take a load of beer uh, over the course of an evening and at some point during that trip the truck driver got out of his seat and went back into the sleeper berth now he was obviously in the truck the entire time but my colleague who observed that was streaming the whole thing said at one point a car driver we call them four-wheelers in the trucking industry a four-wheeler <laughs> came up beside the truck looked up saw there was no driver in the seat of that truck and sped out of there because I, I'm sure they thought they had stumbled onto a movie set or something because it was frightening to see a truck without a driver behind it you must think that that truck is just in danger of imminent <laughs> catastrophe I can exactly. only imagine well in fact one of the things that this this brings about is the education of the public to autonomous vehicles and also to safe driving behavior around trucks 
and uh, you know, in our driver ed, putting our kids through driver ed, there wasn't much about that at all. There, there really isn't, and, and that's a whole separate issue, sort of changing that paradigm at, at the state licensing agencies and driver's ed courses so that they teach students how to drive around trucks. And I have to applaud the American Trucking Associations. They've done a great job of really getting the word out about that. Um, but uh, when we talk about autonomous vehicles, I mean, we've done research that makes it clear that we're not going to eliminate the need for truck drivers. It's not going to be a solution to the driver shortage in that we're not going to have trucks going down the road without drivers for a very long time. But the use of the technology, I believe, and our research has documented this, is going to make it easier for us as an industry to bring new people into the industry. When you think about young people who have grown up using technology their whole lives and to get into the cab of a fully equipped truck now with all the latest technology, it's a very cool experience. Right, and, 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 it, and it, then you're actually much more of a technology operator rather than a quote-unquote truck driver truck driver and uh so w what about electric we we see this move to electric vehicles how's that impacting the trucking industry well certainly there are more applications in the trucking industry or some applications in the truck industry where electric makes sense and and i think about local pickup and delivery where you have the ability to recharge that vehicle overnight uh where you have a little more challenge of course is in the long haul over the road sector where one as a nation we just don't have the infrastructure for that recharging uh mm -hmm. those large vehicles uh, and, you know, what is the, the grid impact from recharging large numbers of large vehicles? But where it does make sense, we're seeing uh, electric already start to make some penetration. Oh, wow. Well, after the break, let's talk about uh, how Georgia rates uh, for the trucking industry and find out about bottlenecks uh, for truckers in the States. But first, we've got 30 seconds with Sarah. This is your 30 seconds or less with Sarah. For a company known for its loud, gas-powered, iconic hogs, Harley-Davidson is pivoting its strategy. After flagging sales in the motorcycle industry, it now pins its hopes on Livewire, a completely electric motorbike that runs near silently. The sleek, silent Livewire does 0 to 60 in 3 seconds and has a range of 146 miles. And it's a bet from Harley-Davidson that the future and millennials will be electric and connected. Industry analysts question whether such an iconic Americana symbol can shift consumer perception and their pocketbooks. Back to you, Brian. In case you're just joining us, this is Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan, how to save lives and improve tra traffic. With our guest, Rebecca Brewster, President and Chief Operating, Operating Officer of the American Transportation Research Institute. Rebecca, so let's talk about Georgia and the tracking industry. Our economy here is, is really dependent on transportation. Um, both air, sea, and land. What, what does the trucking industry mean, mean for Georgia? Well, trucking is a big deal in Georgia. This is a big trucking state. And in fact, 76% of the communities in Georgia are serviced exclusively by the trucking industry to get what they need. And so um, it is a big deal. We see a lot of trucks. Of course, I live here in Atlanta, and we're very familiar with trucks on the highway. Um, but we have to remember Yes, we're stuck in traffic. Yes, there's a lot of congestion here in Atlanta. And yes, there are a lot of trucks. But we have to remember all of those trucks are carrying the things you and I use every single day. And I think that that's probably what most people don't appreciate is that just what a driver it is to the economy to be able to transport goods effectively from one place to another. And that's a great statistic that 76% of communities would just be without bread and milk if there wasn't for the trucking industry, never mind all the other goods that they use. 
That's exactly right. And, you know, I think we, we all too often as a public forget, you know, we're the ones who are driving all that demand for consumer goods. It's us who wants all that stuff. And so it has to be delivered somehow. Uh, we don't have railroad tracks pulling up to the back of our grocery store. All of that food has to go in on a truck. So, so where are the major bottlenecks here in Atlanta and what could we do about that potentially? I love talking bottlenecks. It's even earned me a, a nickname. I'm called Becky Bottleneck. So, uh, <laughs> Great. But, but we've been studying bottlenecks at Atri for a number of years using truck GPS data to figure out where trucks are not moving as efficiently as they should. And each year we publish a list of the top 100. Well, Georgia is uh, a, quite a familiar uh, city or state on that list, and Atlanta has six of the top bottlenecks in the country. Oof of the top 100. And Spaghetti Junction, in fact, was number one for three years in a row until this year got moved down to number two. It was replaced by uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey, the George Washington Bridge that connects New York and New Jersey. But Spaghetti Junction and all around the perimeter, we have some of those top 100 bottlenecks. Wow. you know, the, uh, the big challenge is if you look at Spaghetti Junction, it's a big interchange here in Atlanta in the north, north of the city. It's just these massive flyovers and things like that. But to add lanes would be, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. How can we possibly solve these problems? Well, obviously, um, that's an instance where building additional capacity may not be the solution. And that's where we have to look to things like how we operate the system and how we use technology. Certainly in the trucking industry, uh, we do what we can to route our trucks through these bottlenecks at less congested times. A lot of that times that's driven by the customers, the, the shippers and receivers. But when we can, we'll route our trucks through these areas at less congested times. Um, We use technology to tell us how to go. So when there's a traffic incident, we get notification and we move our trucks to different locations when we can. Uh, Because every minute that that truck driver sits stuck in traffic, it's not only chewing away at their available hours of service, how long they're able Mm, to drive, but it's wasting fuel, it's creating wear and tear on the vehicle. And there are a whole host of other impacts from that driver sitting stuck in traffic that we don't want to experience in the industry. So, so there's talk about truck-only lanes, and, and uh, I know the Georgia Department of Transportation is considering a truck corridor down to Macon and things like that. Is that something that you guys research and support or involved in? We have certainly looked at the uh, potential for truck-only lanes. We actually were involved in a study that looked at a, a multi-state truck-only corridor uh, in five states along I-70 in the Midwest. Uh, And there's a lot of potential um, good to come from truck-only lanes. Certainly the separation of cars and trucks cuts down on that occurrence of when car drivers don't drive safely around trucks. Okay, that's a safety issue. That's something that I hadn't thought of. Truck-only lanes would be a safety issue. It would indeed. And and certainly the productivity that comes from separating us from the general population. Cars can go at at the speed they want to, and trucks, which are, you know, just physically heavier, um, don't have to sit there and cause cars to back up okay so that's uh the, those are a couple of aspects that that uh, but obviously the big you know thing with these track only lanes is the capital cost of them and the attaining the right of way it's a it's a 20-year horizon to be able to add significant new lanes and things like that they are not inexpensive and so um ultimately the decision was made not to move forward in the i-70 project at the time because the question was how do you pay for it do you toll just the trucks who are using that new capacity well the fact of the matter is the the four-wheelers are benefiting too if they're not having the the trucks in their general traffic stream and so questions of how you finance that 
improvements is, is obviously one of the big issues. Yeah, so finally getting back to the big picture and uh, what is the next big thing on the, on the tracking industry, for, for on the horizon for the tracking industry? Well, one of our biggest issues, and it, it really is a perennial issue, is our driver shortage. But it is becoming much more challenging for us as an industry. Right now, the estimates are that we're short about 60,000 drivers. Wow. But if we don't do something to deal with those who are retiring, uh, to replace those who are retiring, um, we're going to face an even greater shortage. I estimates are it would top 100,000. And we, when we start to see shortages like that, Brian, goods don't get delivered. It drives up the price of transportation, so it drives up the price of goods. We've got to do something as an industry to bring more people in to drive trucks. Yeah, and then the whole economy slows, and then, and then we all suffer. Rebecca, this has been fascinating. Uh, so thank you, and, and thank you for joining me on Travel Safely, brought to you by Applied Information. Thank you so much for having me today. Today we've been talking about the challenges and advances in the tracking industry with Rebecca Brewster, President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Transportation Research Institute, which is based in Marietta, Georgia. ATRI is the tracking industry's not-for-profit research organization whose mission it is to research uh, and improve the tracking industry's safety and productivity. Rebecca, thanks for all you do and for helping us make Georgia and the world a better place. Until next time, this is Brian Mulligan signing off from Business Radio X and travel safely.